YouTube challenges usually end up with nothing except unintended problems and dilemmas. There's the mail yourself challenge. Uh, sure, most people fake it for views and money, but if one were to actually do it, they could easily face problems. If they didn't put enough tape onto the bottom of this small, cramped cardboard box, they could fall out. All that would be seen as a body unexpectedly falling to the ground. And that isn't even all of it. If the truck that carried the box were to suddenly get into a tragic accident, they may have no options. They would be confined within a sealed-up box, apprehension and panic filling their body as every second goes by. They in no way could gather up enough adrenaline to bust their way out of that box. The truck would gather smoke, potentially even catching on fire. The person in the box would worry even more. Either fire could swiftly spread to the box, burning the person to death, and having them gasp for breath as toxic smoke filled their lungs, or they would be towed away into a dump and slowly starve to death over a long, long period of time. There's the backpack challenge. A person would run through an open space with row of people on either side of them. Those who surrounded that person would toss book bags full of textbooks and other heavy supplies at them. That who ran through would most likely collapse in extreme pain. They could, or would, have deep bruises, dislocated teeth, a fractured skull, possibly even much worse. It is mostly pointless, and results in nothing but a long time in the hospital. The only challenge on the internet that won't make you feel uncomfortable is the bottle flip challenge. My favorite. It requires skill and dedication. You must simply land something on its base or tip, uh, such as a water bottle, or a high leader, or chapstick. I don't know, get creative. But by doing this, you can gain a lot of attention. A few kids who call themselves, that's amazing, gained beyond 16 million views on a bottle flip video. Dude Perfect had over 33 million views. Anyone can record themselves doing this and gain success. However, there is one certain challenge that changed me, in a way. It made me question, made me wonder, it wasn't the challenge itself, no, but it was what happened during the challenge. The 24-hour overnight challenge. I will leave it up to you to find out what happens. My name is Nick, and this is my story. This 24-hour challenge is getting us so many views. God, Raymond said in our group chat. It was a mild fall night in Pennsylvania this November. Leaves were mostly done saying their farewells to the trees, leaving the majestic foliage behind. Cars and other vehicles zoomed by outside, their headlights reflecting on the window that lied above my bed. The window had a black curtain, which laid still on the glass window. 
I sat in my room, whose walls were painted a dark red color. It was a sort of unorganized. Empty bottles and several sports balls lied across the floor, along with a few rain and winter jackets, which I didn't really show much care for. I preferred my sweatshirts and sneakers, which were mostly the only organized thing in the room. I was in a group chat with my partners, Raymond and Steven. We run a channel known as Tri-Trends. There are three of us, so naturally that's where Tri comes from, and Trends obviously comes from the certain trends and challenges that we do on our channel. From the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge to the Bottle Flips, I mean, I mean, we've done it all. We have an estimated 3.6 million subscribers, and upload every Tuesday and Friday. We occasionally will upload on different days, but, you know, not so often. Our discussion revolved around what our next place to spend 24 hours in would be. And our most recent was in a KFC, uh, which was interesting. We shared a big bucket of chicken. Raymond is skinny, but still is as hungry as a starved wolf. I swore he ate half of the bucket, leaving us with the remaining half. I mean, he probably has a high metabolism, because he eats more than the average person. Around 12.30am, we were almost busted by a guy taking a walk outside our window. He had combed dark brown hair and wore a white Under Armour hoodie with black sweatpants. His hands were tucked into the pouch of his sweatshirt, and when he came by, we dashed towards the kitchen and leaped over the order counter. We laid down behind the counter, blocking the guy's field of view. And after two minutes, we got ourselves back up and looked to see he was gone. And... Well, we were relieved, <laughs> eventually making it out. That was just one of the many ones we did. I glanced back at my Apple computer. It was a silver color, with the Apple symbol glowing in white. Uh, my computer is left of my bed, but a little bit more forward, for scale. The back of it faced my wall. We could do it at a warehouse, Raymond typed. I prepared to type a response. I mean, I thought it would be good, but, you know, there aren't any warehouses around here. There is one 270 miles away, but no other ones. I typed that into the chat. Stephen responded, Yeah, true, they often have guards anyway. After that, there was a minute-long period of silence. I imagine there wasn't really a reason, excluding that one or both of us went to get something. But eventually Stephen said, how about we do it in the White House? We knew he was kidding around, and played around with it. Yeah, no way of getting caught. Winky face. I responded. XD, XD, XD. Raymond also responded. Lol. Steven typed. After about 20 seconds, he then said again. But in all seriousness, I am going to look for some places we could go to. BRB. I sat and eagerly waited him to come back to tell us what he found. And after about nine minutes, he came back. Hey, 
You, uh... You scared of animatronics? He asked in the chat. I was a bit puzzled and assumed Raymond was too. I merely replied, uh, I mean, I do think that they're a little creepy, but... Raymond said, But what? He probably didn't understand why Stephen asked him that, similar to how I didn't understand either. But Stephen would eventually type, Look, there's this place downtown called Mari's Burrito Burrow. It's a high-tech animatronic food joint for kids and adults alike. Or, uh, well, that's what the official website says. I had chills run down my spine. I knew what he meant. You know, we could go there. And I secretly hoped that the animatronics wouldn't be as creepy as I thought they would be. As long as I'm not too close to them, I thought I'd be good. And while it seemed frightening, I knew that the video would blow up. I mean, we would receive a lot of attention. So Raymond and I agreed in the chat. Okay, you guys free after tomorrow? Type Steven. I thought to myself, I knew I wouldn't have anything to do, so I said yes. After that, we talked about some stuff on YouTube, typed immature jokes, and eventually exited the chat room. At the time I left the chat, I decided to Google Maury's Burrito Burrow, because I was hungry for info. Many results came up. I saw its location on Google Maps, and the average rating was three and a half stars out of five. In other words, about a seven out of ten. I saw a few images of the location as well. Uh, one of them was the front view. In the image, the sun was almost fully set, and at least 22 cars sat in the parking lot. The building could be seen. It was a light tan color with dark brown colored flat roofs. On it stood a neon gif of Maury the Mole with a two-frame long, quote, animation of him waving a burrito back and forth. This version is slightly more cartoonish with a more innocent, cute look. The next image I saw showed the arcade. I saw children pulling the triggers of plastic guns used for the arcade games, and others messing with joysticks or sliding coins into slots. A neon taco was on the wall, with a clock in the center of it. The clock read 6.07pm. I didn't imagine the place would be open at 6.07am, <laughs> but, uh, but the next image I saw showed what I was most curious about. The animatronics. This one I actually clicked on, as I wanted a closer view of their details. And then I was exposed to all of them. Three, five to six and a half foot tall animatronics stood up on the stage. I didn't know their names, but I would soon. The one on the left was Frasier, 
the Firefly. He was black and was glowing from the bottom of his body, which lit up a neon blue color. He had four clear plastic wings attached to his back. He had two one-and-a-half-foot-long antennas sticking out the top of his head. He had a black electric guitar, which he held with his spindly arms. His head was turned to the left, facing Maury. To the right was Sammy the Snake. Uh, He was also black and had a diamond-like design on his back. The diamond shapes glowed a neon orange and blue pattern, and he had green eyes with black pupils. He had two sharp white teeth, and he was divided into small plate-like sections, allowing him to move and bend. In the center, I saw the main animatronic mascot, Maury the Mole. He was probably about six and a half to seven feet tall, and was black and shiny. At the tip of his eight fingers, there were gray claws, which weren't too sharp, but more round on the end. He had eyes that glowed an orange color, and a nose that also glowed orange. He held a black microphone in his right hand, and he looked pretty cool, if I gotta be honest. Uh, Albeit a bit suspicious, though, as if he held many dark secrets that he wasn't telling anyone. I looked at the image a little more, and clicked off the website. I shut down my computer for the night, got on my chair, and looked at my messy bed. I jumped onto it and covered myself with a blanket. I leaned to my right and closed my eyes. Glancing around my room, and getting sleepier every ten seconds or so, I shut my eyes. I got even more relaxed and more and more until eventually falling asleep completely out of it. But then I awoke. I laid in my bed facing my doorway in front of me. I was breathing heavily, horrified. Nothing really happened, but the dream, or nightmare, still terrified me. I couldn't understand what that meant, or or why it happened. With it engraved in my head, I laid there for a few seconds, thinking about that nightmare. And to get it off my mind, I decided that I could watch some YouTube videos. So I tried to set up. And I realized I couldn't move. I was confined to my bed. As if strong metal chains confined me to a steel bed. As as if I was a savage who was difficult to control. I couldn't even turn my head. I, I couldn't move my arms or legs. I couldn't even wiggle my toes. I could only lay there with my heart racing and so many different thoughts running through my head as I just simply laid there, paralyzed. Eventually something formed at the doorway. It it, it literally formed, starting out as a gray ball and then morphing into, into something horrifying. 
with smoke surrounding it. It... It was gray and shaggy. It had sharp golden claws with flames on the end. The same applied with its long, sharp toenails. It sported a bare pink stomach with a six-pack showing. Its head resembled a mole's head. It had an orange nose with, with glowing white spikes surrounding it. Its eyes were a deep red with burning white pupils that looked right through me. I mean, they were very bright, but they didn't leave any signs of light around my bedroom. Uh, the shaggy creature then walked to me. It then was partially floating. It began to grow larger. It slowly approached me, and, and it felt like my heart was beating thousands of times per millisecond. I could only move my eyes. But still, wherever I would dart them, the creature would follow. Eventually, it was face to face with me. I could mentally feel it breathing on me with its burning hot breath. It then got up and pulled out one of its fiery burning claws. It raised it high into the air until it came down on my chest. A two-frame-long gif of pixelated blood squirting on my chest played as the thing dug its claws into me. However, I noticed that this wasn't right. Suddenly, the thing disappeared, and I was moving my arms across my bed, as if I was a little girl making a snow angel on a cold winter's day. I lifted my head up and looked at each side of my room. First, I glanced left, then... Then right, I realized it now, that, that I can move again. However, my heart was still beating heavily, and I was still scared and horrified, even if it was all over. I got out of my bed and walked to my computer. It's like burning my eyes, but, I mean, but it felt good this time. There was light for me to see things. I wasn't bombarded by pure darkness. And when my eyes adjusted, I logged in. I then went on to YouTube, ready to watch some videos. Uh, however, whatever I tried to watch, I... I still couldn't stop thinking about this hallucination. During one of the videos I was watching, or rather listening to as background noise, I thought about what that thing was. After about two minutes, I realized what it was. Or... Or rather, who it was. It was the mascot of Maury's Burrito Burrow. Maury the Mole. Uh, however, he had deadly horrific tweaks on him that made him all the more creepy. As I realized, I... I also realized that I didn't have the urge to go spend the night at Maury's. I kept thinking and thinking, and eventually I fell asleep on my keyboard, tired out. I, once again, was out. The next morning, I lifted my head. I was still on a fake 24-hour challenge video done by J Station, which had finished up while I slept. 
and not caring to turn off my computer, I spun my computer chair around and lifted myself out of it. I walked through my living room and into the kitchen to make some toast. And as I did, I redirected my thoughts to last night. And that that there were no true, unsolved things about it. I knew it was just my mind that created it, and I knew who it was. But, but something just made me worried. We were going to Maury's to stay 24 hours in just two days. And what I saw made me not want to go in the slightest. When I say that, I mean not want to go at all. You know, I knew the animatronics wouldn't do anything, but it just... It just didn't seem right to go. I knew that this video could potentially receive a lot of attention, so I felt that I had to be in it. My toast finished a minute ago. I didn't even notice. I took the two slices and put them on a paper plate that I grabbed earlier. I put the butter in the microwave for 20 seconds. The butter was finished, and I took it out. I grabbed a silver butter knife out of the drawer closest to my right, sliced off some butter, and buttered the first slice. I did exactly the same thing with the next. I then took the plate over to my table and, and ate it. And while I ate, I thought about going to the building. You know, just driving by to see what it was like. I decided that I would, just, you know, to get slightly familiar with the vibes I would be feeling. So I changed my clothes, wore a black t-shirt and yellow-green neon Nike sweatshirt, with the symbol in black. I had on a pair of dark blue jeans with lime green and black Nike sneakers, with the symbol written in black. My dark brown hair was combed forwards towards my hairline. I grabbed my phone and my car keys and walked to my white Chevy car. I hopped in the driver's seat and started it up. I then pulled out of my driveway and started to drive towards Maury's. I lightly let my foot off the brakes, though, looking at the building. It was just like it was in the picture. Tan with that brown roof. I saw the frame for the Mori neon lights, which wasn't lit up because of the time of day. There were posters hung all over the glass, advertising deals on the food and ways to book a private party. Inside, I could see kids running around, some playing arcade games, some were eating. I looked to see if I could see any animatronics, but they were out of sight. I knew they were there, but that they were just behind a wall or a curtain. There wasn't too much more to see, so I simply drove on and went back home.
Two days later, I hopped in my car and checked my phone. 6.03 p.m. I started it and drove towards Maury's. And as I drove, I kept thinking about what exactly I hallucinated. It couldn't leave my mind, and admittedly, still freaked me out. Well, I got there and pulled inside the parking lot. It looked just like it did in the pictures that I saw. Uh, tan walls, neon mori, kids playing inside, etc. I sat in my vehicle, waiting for Raymond and Stephen. After playing around on my phone and social media for a little while, I eventually saw their car pull in. It was a black Honda, with a, a broken headlight that they would be getting fixed soon, they said. They parked two cars away from my right. Uh, they both got out, and I did, about two seconds later. Uh, hey! <laughs> I shouted to them. Hey, hey! Replied Raymond. Hey! Replied Stephen. Got the camera? I asked as I continued to approach them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Replied Raymond. Okay, I'm going to throw it to you, and you have to catch it. All right? In three, two, one, I suddenly interrupted, No! <laughs> Don't worry, just kidding, said Raymond as he pulled the camera down. You know how much this cost me? I guessed. Uh, I don't know, a, a thousand? Raymond responded. I shook my head. No. Twelve hundred. As I walked towards them, I could see their details more closely. See, Raymond had black hair, which was slightly combed up to his forehead. He had recently shaved his black goatee on his chin, which laid below his green eyes. He had a dark gray sweatshirt on, with a pair of black sweatpants. His Nike sneakers were navy blue with a white base. Raymond came in handy when it came to making up lies and or excuses while doing these 24-hour challenges. He always knew what to say that would convince employees and guards that we weren't really doing anything wrong. And, I mean, they always fell for it. Uh, plus, as a little bonus, he edits our videos really well. Steven has dark brown hair and brown eyes. He was wearing a black Nike sweatshirt, the symbol in white. His sweatpants were a dark gray color and wore dark gray sneakers with a white base. And Steven was the smartest out of the three of us. He always would look ahead to see what a place would look like, uh, would always know where to hide, and so on. He had great ideas, good arguments and opinions, and always gave good advice. And me? Well, I have dark brown hair and blue eyes. I had on a navy blue sweatshirt with a pair of blue jeans. My Under Armour sneakers were black with a dark gray base. Raymond and Daniel always said that I was the best cameraman. From what they say, I get good shots of the things we do. They both tell me I give the best commentary, and that I don't have too many moments where I don't know what to say into the camera. Which, uh, that I know is true. Raymond handed me the silver-painted camera. I flipped it open, and pressed record. Hey guys! Welcome back to another video. 
Nick from Tritrends here, and today I got Raymond and Steven with me. Raymond and Steven both say, hey, and words like that to the camera. I continue to speak. And today, we will be visiting a restaurant called Maury's Burrito Burrow. It's uh, like some kid's restaurant with animatronics. Kind of creepy looking. Not really, whatever. Uh, but we still need to figure out an excuse for why we, adults, are alone at a kid's restaurant. I suddenly stopped recording, realizing this. I asked, so what should we tell them? Like, uh... I could both see them thinking. I made a sort of go-on hand motion to trigger more thoughts in them. Raymond finally perked up. Uh, I know, let's pretend we're tourists from somewhere else. And we're just trying the food here to see what it's like. Stephen and I agreed. As I ready to record again, Stephen said... I hope nobody steals that excuse. I hit record again. <laughs> so guys, Raymond just got a really good idea, alright? So tell everyone what we have in mind. I handed the camera to him. Well, we're going to be trying to pretend that we are tourists from another country. And tell them that we are here to try the food. Yeah, that should work. Stephen piped up in the background. I stopped the recording and started recording again one second later. So yeah, we're about to walk into the building and uh, figure out a game plan, because we intend to stay overnight. I stopped recording for a second and then began to record again. So guys, we're walking in right now and we're going to put the camera down so that they don't get suspicious or anything. They may sense some stuff. I said into the camera. I then put it down and stopped recording. And as I began to push on the handle on the door that led to the main place, I froze. I looked down at the ground. The, the hallucination from before struck me. So much, in fact, that it was more chilling than right after it when it actually had happened. I sighed. This is it. I thought to myself, this is that time. Hey, you, you okay? Asked Stephen. Removing myself from the trance, I replied, Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, dude, uh, I'm fine. Just, uh, the, the doors are kind of heavy, in my opinion. Stephen was smart. He knew something was up. Uh, really? Could I push it in and see? Worrying he would definitely figure something was up, I said, uh, yeah, sure. He pushed it open. Dude, that door isn't heavy. It's, it's kind of light, actually. Thinking of an excuse, I promptly said, well, my arm, you know, it, it's been a little bit sore from the past few days. <laughs> from the way I spoke, Stephen was skeptical. I know something is up with you, dude. I can tell. Busted. I don't really like to think uh, nor talk about it. Uh, just, um, just don't ask please. 
I said. Something personal? Asked Raymond. Well, kind of. It's just... It's just something that I saw. I told them. I really don't like talking about it. Stephen understood. Well, I don't want to bug you about it. You know, it's your thing. It's not really our business. I smiled a bit at my friends. Uh, So let's go get some seats, and uh, we'll record again. We walked towards the order counter. Raymond stepped in front, acting like he knew what to do, and, well, he did. He looked at the woman behind the counter. She had smooth, blonde hair. Her eyes were dark blue. She wore a black cap, which had a picture of Maury, Sammy, and Fraser on it. In front of it, it said Maury's. Her black t-shirt had the same picture as the hat towards the top right corner. She stopped, possibly questioning why adults were at a kid's restaurant to herself. Hi, how may I help you? She asked. Yeah, we're uh, tourists from Europe. We're here to try some of the food, you know, see what it's like, said Raymond. The lady replied, All right, uh, what can I get for you today? We all looked at the menu. We saw two sides, one with Mexican food, such as tacos and burritos, and the other with pizza, burgers, hot dogs, etc. Curious about their thoughts, I asked, So, uh, what do you guys want to get? Fast to make up his mind, Stephen said, Yeah, I'll have the, uh, Uh, The cheesy taco combo, please. Along with the medium drink. Is that all? Asked the cashier. For me? Yes, replied Stephen. Raymond, still contemplating the matter, scanned the menu. While I waited for him, I decided to tell her my order. Uh, I said as I looked down from the menu to the cashier, I think I'll just have a plain cheeseburger, uh, Only cheese, ketchup, and a tomato, please. Uh, Oh, yeah, and a large soda. Alrighty, she said as she typed on the cashier. And you? She asked Raymond. Yeah, I'll have a personal pizza with mushrooms and olives, please. And a large soda. Alright, and will that be all? She asked us. Yes, ma'am, I told her. Okay. All right, that'll be $21, she said. My eyes slightly opened up in surprise. I turned and watched as Stephen pulled out two tens and a one. Here you go, he said as he handed them to her. Thank you. She put the money in the cash register. Your table will be table 34, right over there, 
she said as she pointed towards the table. It was a little off and to the side of the left side of the restaurant. Uh, okay, thank you, I said as we walked over to our table. We all sat down, and as we waited for our food, I decided to walk around with the camera and record. I told Raymond and Steven. I took it out and just simply hit record. Uh, so guys, we just ordered our food, and uh, I'm going to walk around and show you everything that I can while we wait for it, I said. I turned the recording around to use the camera lens on the back of the camera to record. So guys, uh, here's the arcade, <laughs> I said as I approached it. The arcade had tons of different games, from old classics to shooters. Anything that could be put in an arcade was here. Tons of games... Tons of kids, I said as I walked towards it. I skimmed down the aisles, seeing tons of kids playing games, competing, and running around. I stopped recording. I sighed. My heart was beating. Time to see the stage, I mumbled to myself. My hallucination was really making me panic. It isn't real. Just a just a result of sleep paralysis, I said to myself to calm down. I hit record on the camera and walked towards it. Alright guys, uh, here's the stage where the, where the animatronics are, I said into the camera. However, when I looked at it, the curtains were closed. Uh, looks like it's closed, everyone. Uh, probably won't start... I was interrupted by Mexican-like music, however. It was a bit different. Its... its style. Was it being played on a guitar? Like the ones in rock bands? It sounded like it. I didn't know why it sounded like that until I thought of the menu. Mexican music plus a type of music found in America, rock, equals... Mexican rock. Was this a genre made up for the restaurant? It had to be. Guys, I think the show is going to start soon, so I I'm just going to head back to our table. I said into the camera. I walked back and sat in my seat. Uh, just as I did, our waitress had our soda cups and walked over to our table. Here you go, she said. There's a soda machine right over there. She said as she pointed towards the soda dispenser to the right of the main entrance. Okay, thank you, said Stephen. You're very welcome, replied the waitress. She then walked back towards the kitchen. I faced the stage as the curtains slowly but surely opened up. And there they were. Right there. There was Maury, Sammy, Fraser all right before my eyes. Maury, who was once only a shaggy, unsettling hallucination from my mind, now a towering animatronic. Hot glowing eyes. Burning glowing snout. And it was less than 20 feet away from me. I had a small chill run down my spine. I, I concentrated on what was going to happen next. The music stopped, and 
At last, Mori began to speak. Well, hello, everybody. How are you all doing tonight? He said in a Mexican-American accent. Tons of children responded, Good! Which spawned a large amount of noise throughout the building. Today, we have an excellent show for you kids. Are you all excited? Children eyeing Mori as if they were talking to him shouted, Yeah! Raymond jokingly shouted, Yay! I'm excited! Woo! In a mocking, childlike voice, while at the same time flailing his arms around. Stephen and I laughed a little bit, and so did Raymond once he was done. Okay, awesome. For all you folks who just got here, I'll introduce you to who we are. First off, I'm Maury, and I'm a mole. My hobbies include singing, playing music, and more things like that. Next to me, I have Fraser. He is a firefly. Fraser responded, Hi! Maury said, Yeah, kids, he doesn't talk too much, but you probably can infer that he has amazing instrumental skills. And he does. Now, Fraser, could you say one little thing to the kids? Hi! Responded Fraser. No, no, I mean something besides hi. Okay? Hi! Replied Fraser again. Okay, please, just one little thing. Maury asked once more. Hi! Replied Fraser again. Oh, I give up, said Maury. Before Sammy could introduce himself, two kids walked up to us. The first one was a slim boy with blonde hair and green eyes. He had on a black t-shirt and black shorts. The other boy had red hair with a little bit of brown. He had red and black braces, and two blue eyes were above them. He had a little bit of weight on him, but he wasn't what you would consider fat. Uh, he wore a blue Russell sweatshirt and also had a pair of navy blue shorts. Hey, you're the three guys from uh, Tri-Trends, aren't you? Asked the blonde-haired kid. Raymond replied, uh, Hey, that's us! <laughs> you guys fans? The red-haired kid replied, Well, I am, but Xander here thinks that you guys fake your 24-hour overnight videos. You do, spoke up Xander. They're all sad attempts at you lowlifes grabbing cash. Why do you fake them anyway? Steven suddenly spoke up. Listen, kid, get lost. You, you can stay. He pointed at the red-haired kid. We're staying overnight here. Want to be in the video? We asked him. Sure, he replied. Xander made an angry face. You dickheads can go suck your own heads, he said. What? Dude, that joke is shit, said Steven. <laughs> Bitch, said Xander. Xander, just get out of here, said the red-haired kid. Xander, annoyed, said, Okay, snagheads, I will. Xander walked away. What's his problem? I asked the red-haired kid. Ugh, he's... He's jealous of you guys. 
He does 24-hour challenges on his channel and usually can't even get five views. Curious, I asked him, well, why do you even hang out with him? He's sometimes fun to be around. He was now whispering and said, but mostly he's easy to beat at anything. Trust me, if I suck at something, I feel like a pro compared to him. He's just some nerd that wants attention. We recorded a little bit with the kid. We had fun. Good to meet a fan, said Raymond. Yeah, <laughs> likewise. Um, but uh, I, I gotta run. Awesome seeing you guys, said the kid. Bye, he said. Finally, our food arrived. Oh, thank you, we told our waitress. We choked down into our food. At this time, I could hear the animatronics playing a song. Maury was singing, Fraser was playing his guitar, and Sammy was moving along to the beats. They were in action, doing what they were supposed to do. I checked my phone. 6.51. I told them. We still got time, said Raymond. Hey, once we're done... Want to go mess around in the arcade? Sure, said Raymond and I. We finished eating, then went to the arcade. Uh, we played some shooter games, a basketball game, and several others. We took the opportunity to record some of it. And once we were done, we went back to our table. I checked the phone again. Uh, 8.17, I told him. I think it's time, said Raymond. Let's figure out where we should hide. They may get suspicious if they see us stay here. We agreed. It was time to hide. should try and hide in the bathroom, behind a stall. Maybe wait until the place closes, suggested Stephen. But what if they check and make sure everyone is out of them before closing? I said. Ah, true, he replied. Uh, but wait a second. I remember seeing a picture of the staff-only room on Google. There were tons of boxes. We could hide behind... Hell, a... Maybe even in one, Raymond asked. Okay, but what if all the boxes are gone? Plus the staff may see us walk in. I looked towards the order counter, only to see the majority of the staff members talking to each other. The other ones were distracted by watching the children and other duties they helped handle. Oh, fuck it, I whispered. Let's run for the staff room and try to hide in there. If they ask, we'll say that we don't have good English, and thought that it led to another section of the building. Raymond and Stephen seemed to agree with that. No one's head was even pointed towards us. We darted fast, as quick as we could, to the room. We reached the door, and stopped. 
I slowly turned the knob, pushing the door very slowly. Thankfully, no one was inside. I called for Raymond and Steven to come in quickly, and as they did, Raymond closed the door behind him. We sure are retards for doing this, said Raymond. I gotta agree on that one, I replied. I see a box. Let's see if we can go inside, said Stephen. We slowly walked over. I started to record again, talking into the camera. We walked over as quietly as possible and hopped inside of it. I can't believe we're doing this. Guys, I have to whisper so that no one can hear us, I said into the camera. Stephen said, you really shouldn't talk too much. They still could hear us. He was right. I'm still recording, and after having the camera on for a few more seconds, I finally turned it off once again. We would spend the next two hours sitting inside. As time went by, I texted a little bit, Snapchatted, checked my socials, etc. We were quiet the whole time, with the occasional whisper where we would say, Hey, look at this post, or, or something along the lines of that. Two hours later, we were still in the box. And then we heard the door open. A pair of footsteps could be heard. I quietly hit record on my camera, not saying a word. I made a grin into the camera as the footsteps were heard. And eventually they stopped. Silence. My heart was pumping, and I could tell the other twos were too. After the silence, the person began to... Maybe... Press buttons? Supposedly, he was turning off the animatronics. The control desk had to have a turn-off button. We continued to sit, quiet as can be, until we heard footsteps again going to the left. They stopped. Controlling my breathing was more of a challenge than you'd expect. I could hear a lever being pulled down. Stay calm, I told myself. Stay calm. And I was beginning to calm down. There was a zap. The large electrical shock startled me. I heard it to the far left outside of the box. My breathing was heavier. I wasn't calm. Not at all. Chill, I told myself. No, it was too much. Nothing could control me. I was scared. I was worried. I covered my mouth with my hand. I could see Stephen doing it too. As I attempted to silence myself, I heard something. It had a sound that resembled which of a machine or, or a computer booting up. Not shutting down, but booting up. This made no sense. It was coming from the far left, after all. There's something over there that I didn't see, that Raymond didn't see, that Stephen didn't see. Something none of us had seen. <laughs> I heard laughter outside the box. The voice sounded like a man. A man in his late thirties. It was very dim, but easy to make out. Gonna get... He said. I couldn't make out the last word. 
I was still panicking, hand over my mouth. I then heard the beeping and pressing of several more buttons. Make it stop, I said within my mind. Please, please. I heard one more button get pressed. Then the footsteps went to my right. I heard the door open and shut. I breathed a sigh of relief. Holy crap, guys, I said into the camera. Someone just walked in. I was like, I was like so scared right there. It was like a fucking shock or something. Dude, that was terrifying, said Stephen. I think I just shit myself, said Raymond. My god, that was... That was terrifying, I said, with a slight laughter in my voice. I talked a bit more. Ten minutes had passed. I stopped recording nine minutes ago, and uh, nothing much had happened. That's until we heard a flick from outside the room. I swear they just turned off the lights, said Stephen. I think they did, replied Raymond. I decided to get out the camera and tell the audience the lights were turned off. I got it from my lap and hit record. Alright guys, uh, so they just turned off the lights, so uh, we might try to get out of the box. Maybe walk around, I said. We should wait a little bit longer, uh, just to make sure, said Stephen. Yeah. Yeah, bro, you're right, I agreed. I stopped recording. I'm honestly really scared, said Raymond. Should be. <laughs> Dude, we, like, got those creepy animatronics out there. It's, it's just so dark, man. I replied. We waited a little bit longer, maybe 20 more minutes. After that, I asked again. Think we should get out? Yeah, replied Stephen. We gotta have some big balls to do this, said Raymond, and I started recording again. Okay guys, we're about to get out of the box, maybe walk around a little bit. Guys, all the lights are literally off, like, just... That moment when you have no clue what to say, said Stephen, along with a chuckle at the end. <laughs> we got out. As we ready to walk back, I looked behind me. Holy shit! I screamed. What the fuck? <laughs> I saw something horrifying. Behind me, I saw an animatronic on a small platform about an inch from the wall of the back of the room. It was black and had gray spots on its arms. It had a beak and apparently a shell on its back. It had glowing cyan eyes. They blinked over and over again. The thing was shaking around as sparks flew from its body. Lights from electricity flickered around it. It was fucking Frankenstein all over again. It just kept shaking until it happened. It lifted its head up. What the fuck, shouted Raymond. Holy shit, shouted Stephen. We gotta get the fuck out of here. We'll what is that? 
Leave! Shut the door! I shouted. We darted out as if a psychopathic killer appeared from the darkness. Raymond and Steven were breathing heavily. I slammed the door behind us. Guys, it looked at me, I told them. What the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? Dude, I ain't tolerating this shit. We have to leave it now, said Steven. What the fuck is this place? Come on, let's go, I told them. As we began to run for the door, Raymond yelled. Guys, stop. Wait. We were a little frustrated. We just wanted to get out. What? said Stephen in a panicked voice. We can't just leave yet, said Raymond. What? what did, did, did you not see that? Did you not see that? We gotta fucking leave. Now. This place is messed up, replied Stephen. I agree, I said after that. But, but come on, guys, if we caught that on video, think of everything else we could see. Like, no, 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 no way. We are leaving now. Raymond, I can't believe you'd consider staying in this hellhole, said Stephen. Please, come on. That scared me too. I don't even know what sorcery is going on here, but... I mean, think about it. If, if more spooky things occur, we easily could just get out. So, dude, unless you think that the thing's going to break out of that room and kill us, I say we stay here. If stuff goes wrong, we get out of here. I mean, look at where we've got so far. I mean, we even broke into a staff-only room, bro. Steven and I thought over the muffled sounds of electrical sparks flying from the animatronic. We glanced at each other and rolled our eyes. Fuck it, I said. Fuck it, he's right, um, but... You know, let's just let's just stay out of that room. Raymond smiled a bit. I never said we had to go back in there. I pulled out the camera and started recording again. Uh, guys, uh, holy crap. That was insane. I have no clue what was going on. Holy crap. That was so scary. I said at the camera. Hope you enjoyed meeting my ex, said Steven. Raymond laughed, and I followed suit. I stopped recording. I walked forward and started recording again. Guys, uh, take a look around. <laughs> All the lights are turned off. Everyone's gone. It's, uh, it's just us. I panned around, walking towards the stage on the blue and black wave-style rug. I quickly glanced over to where we sat earlier, moving the camera along with me. Uh, we were just sitting here earlier, I said, and kept walking towards the stage. I glanced over at the arcade. Arcade's empty, I said. I kept walking. Almost there. And then I saw them. Maury. Sammy. Found his name on the restaurant's website. Fraser. All there, standing before me. They were turned off. All the joy, excitement, optimism, maybe even hatred that they had brought to people earlier today has been shut off. 
No lights, no music, no power, nothing. They all just stood there, blankly staring into space, outside the window. The red curtains, surprisingly, were open. They look so creepy, guys. I mean, look at this. Especially when you're up close. I told the audience. Show the fans the kitchen, whisper yelled Raymond. Coming, I yelled. I quickly ran over to him, camera in my hand, not recording anymore. I zoomed past the counter and walked inside of the kitchen. It resembled what any restaurant kitchen would look like. Stoves, shelves, pots, pans, cutting boards, cabinets, the whole package, pretty much. The floor composed of plain white tiles, no sign of a rug anywhere. The walls were painted a rich tan color. I could see a door towards the back that supposedly led backstage, and as I lifted my camera, I began to record again. So this is where they make the uh, the food, <laughs> I said, as I walked around through the kitchen. I moved the camera left to right, showcasing to the audience all the features of the room. I lifted the camera up to face Raymond, who was lifting a pot and pretending to cook. (laughs) Bro, look! Raymond's tacos. 10 out of 10 from food critics everywhere, he said with slight laughter in his voice. Best restaurant, if all time, said Stephen in a sarcastic yet friendly tone of voice. (laughs) I looked on one of the counters and found a recipe book. It had a laminated cover, with the cover itself being red on the left, and showing pictures of various food items on the right. In the middle of the red area, it said, Fraser's Fine Guide to Cooking, in yellow text, surrounded by two yellow circles. A picture of Fraser could be seen in the bottom left corner. I looked up and faced Raymond and Steven. Uh, not much really in here. Want to go to the arcade? I asked. They both obliged. One by one, we all exited the kitchen. We walked past the counter. Raymond was in the front, and... was the first to notice. No. No, 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 no. He said in a panicked, worrying voice. Okay, we're leaving. Now. I quickly started recording as I darted over and glanced at the stage. Sammy was missing. Fuck, what? Where's the snake? said Steven. You know, let's just uh, go and not worry about it. We all darted for the door. However, Raymond had stopped us. 
Wait! He said again. My phone's still in the kitchen. Well, get it as quick as you can, said Stephen. We waited for him to come back. However, all we heard was his screams. And then what sounded like him falling to the floor. Stephen and I ran inside, only to find Sammy constricting Raymond of air. The snake's eyes and the diamonds on his back pattern glowed a very bright lime green color. They were about three-fourths as bright as an actual flashlight, and this led the room to being illuminated in green. We had no idea why. I mean, how could these innocent animatronics have the ability to kill? How to know where they would need to go to kill someone? How would they do it? And why would they anyway? We both screamed, Hold on! Stephen kicked at Sammy and tried to pull him off of Raymond by yanking on his head, but, but it was no use. I hopped over Raymond, who was helplessly lying on the floor, gasping for breath. I set the camera on the counter, still recording, and grabbed the cookbook that I saw less than five minutes ago. Giving it all my might, I threw it at Sammy. No use. I tried tossing a pot at him. No use. And thinking as fast as I could, I ran past a few shelves and looked through the drawers. After opening seven or so, I found a large butcher knife. I turned around and ran back at a speed faster than I could even think to normally run. I dove down to Sammy. I grabbed the knife and located one of the many, many creases that were part of him. Sammy was made up of small cylinders. What this did was it allowed him to move anywhere, in any direction, while still having him be made out of plastic. I cut down in between with as much force as I could. I dug my way down into the wires, which actually did take a few seconds. I then grabbed tight of the animatronic and sawed open the wires with ease. Sammy let loose of his grip, his eyes still glowing, but the diamond shapes empty of light. Raymond's gasp for breath was very heavy. He threw the broken snake off himself and at a wall. He quickly darted up, ran over, and hugged me. I didn't actually think it was weird. I, I had just saved his life that he nearly lost. <sighs> Thank you, he said gasping for air. My back hurts. <laughs> I don't like it, he said. Don't worry, dude. We're getting out. We're getting out of here, I reassured him. I grabbed the camera. Jesus, thank God you're okay, said Stephen as he grabbed Raymond's phone. I patted him on the back, helping him stand up, and we slowly walked out. Once again, we headed for the door. I still had to help Raymond as he was still gasping for air. I guided him over to the door, and I looked through the window, only to see a few joggers running outside. In other words, we had to stay until they passed by. We sat behind the door for about a minute or so until I peeked my head up to check and see if they were still there. They were, inconveniently, might I add. They were taking a break and drinking some water. 
This is KFC all over again, said Steven. I slouched back down inside. I heard what sounded like an animatronic moving one of their body parts on stage. The noise of an animatronic lifting up its foot could be heard, along with a footstep. No. No, said Raymond. I looked up at the window. They were still there. I slouched back down. They're still there, stating in a voice that sounded like I was about to cry. I remember where the back door is, said Stephen. Where? asked Raymond. We have to go to the backstage area, then go through the door that's there. Okay, thank God, I said, still with a crying tone. Let's just walk slowly inside, though, said Stephen. We started to walk, until I realized that Maury was near the arcade. His hands were crossed behind his back. Fraser then moved. As he got off the stage, he made slow steps towards the opposite side of Maury. As we watched without moving, we saw him stand in the corner of the restaurant that was about 30 feet away from Maury. For a few seconds, we stood still. I need to get this, I said. I walked over to the two, one by one as Raymond and Stephen followed. For some reason, what we saw was strange, but fascinating. They stood as if they were waiting for someone. I got out the camera, still recording, and showed them to the audience. For some reason, I had the guts to walk up to them. They both had a blank stare. They were still, their eyes dimly lit. Fraser's was purple, Maury's was orange. I audit how mysterious it was. And after a bit of recording, I decided that we could just go. I didn't want to put up with the place anymore. We started to head to the kitchen, sprinting slightly. Can't wait to go. Hello. Someone had interrupted me. It sounded like it was coming from the kitchen. Footsteps followed. Eventually, a man came out of the kitchen and walked right towards us. He was a skinny, somewhat tall Caucasian man, seemingly in his late 30s, with black hair and a goatee. His blue eyes seemed to gaze at us in a strange way, like he knew something about us. He wore a navy blue Maury's t-shirt, which was identical to the ones of the employees, uh, excluding their color difference. 
He had straight white teeth that stood out within his grin. He had on a pair of dark navy jeans with black shoes. His left arm was in his pocket, while his right held some type of small device. Had a few buttons on it. Raymond. Nick, he said. I've seen your shenanigans on the internet. However, it doesn't really bother me. I really don't care that you guys are here. My voice was shaking. The man didn't seem like someone who could help us. He seemed like he was here for other reasons. Ones I would rather not hear of. Yes. Uh, Yes, sir. He flicked a switch in his device. The stage lights came on. Raymond. (laughs) I'm very sorry about earlier. That was for someone else. Who? Asked Raymond, shaking. He looked at Stephen, an angry look on his face. Why did you do it? Asked the man. What? Who even are you? Asked Stephen. I caught you doing it on the cameras, Stephen. You're screwed, you scummy bitch. What? Why? Could we leave? Please. Please. At this point, I was crying. We already went through enough, and now I was worrying something would happen to Stephen. What do you mean? yelled Stephen. He flicked a button on his gadget. I heard Fraser starting up. Why did you do it? Stop hiding it. What did I do? You stole them. How did the entire original set of animatronics... Do you know how much those cost me? Guys, don't listen to him. Fine. I did. Okay, I did. What will you do to me? There was a long pause. I'll tell you after you tell me why. Stephen gulped. Um, a guy in an online chat room offered me a deal of $20,000 online. If, um, he was shuddering as he spoke. If uh, I, I got to see animatronics for it. I turned down the request at first, but then he threatened me. He threatened my life. Uh, He he even said my address out loud. Luckily, no one else was uh, was, uh, in there. I wanted to call 911 or tell Raymond and Nick, but he said if I did, he would send his, his, his pal after me. Raymond and I had a look of shock on our faces. We never knew that he did this. 
It mostly wasn't his fault, but it was still surprising. I came in here one night. That 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 guy and I uh, wheeled them out to his truck. He uh yeah. He said that he needed them for parts. He gave me the money, and I and I drove home. And I never wanted to. You could have informed us about the situation, said the man. I didn't think of that, replied Stephen. Hmm. The man finally spoke. Do you want to know something about me? I desperately wanted to shout, No! Just let us leave! Please! But I was too scared to do so. Sure. Yes, sir. I said, with an obvious tone of fear in my voice. Don't worry, I don't intend on hurting you. Yet. Said the man. You see, as a kid... I saw something. I don't really like to discuss it. I and I know it messed me up. It just traumatized me. I couldn't think. My, my delicate little mind couldn't handle what I saw. So it changed me. Um, I have a question. How did you know we were here? I asked. A kid told me. A kid from earlier. Some blonde kid. I froze. Fucking cunt. I muttered. Works good for me, said the man. Stephen, panicking, asked, Can we leave? Please. The man touched another button. I heard Fraser moving and looked over. Fraser was walking towards Stephen. Run! I shouted. He hit another button, and somehow Fraser was full out running. It was surprising to see this animatronic run faster than Stephen. I'll make it quick, said the man. Wasn't totally his fault. The man grinned. He pushed one more button that made Fraser go even faster until he caught Stephen in his grasp. Fraser's hands were actually sharp needles. Razor sharp needles. The man pushed a button. Put more thought into what you do in hell. We ran for Stephen, but stopped when we saw what he did. Fraser lifted up his needles, Stephen screaming, and drove them. Fraser had driven them straight through Stephen's head.
Raymond and I screamed as we saw our good friend, our partner, a man I had known for years, fall to the ground. The holes in his head gushed out blood. He wasn't speaking. He wasn't breathing. He wasn't saying anything. He was gone. He was dead. I was now crying harder than I ever had in my entire life. And I never usually cry. But now my eyes were practically leaking. I was screaming. No positives were in me. It was nothing. You sick bastard. I screamed. You killed him! And the man just simply grinned. I should go. But don't want any witnesses. He said, pushing a button. You'll be taken care of. Maury then began to move. He looked at me. Raymond was on the floor too. He wasn't dead. He was still there, but he had fainted. He lied there. Maury was coming after me now, and I wanted to help Raymond, but... But no animatronics were targeting him. I looked behind me and saw the men's room. In there I went. I sprinted as I looked at that mini hallway. I could see the men's room towards the end of it, and I realized something as well. The camera was still in my hand, and that I'd recorded all of it. The bathroom had a white tiled floor. The red walls had a large black stripe going along them. The black stalls were painted with tons of white dots all around them. The shiny smooth sinks had soap dispensers near them, and they sat on a white countertop with black dots scattered everywhere. I could also see a few paper towel holders and those machines that dispensed air to dry your hands. I sprinted towards the end of the bathroom. I flew past the urinals and stalls and finally jumped into the last one down. Closed the door, locked it, and sat there. Just, just waiting. I was still crying, you know, trying to hold it back. What I saw was just straight up traumatizing. Not only that, but Raymond was still out there. That... That monster, that monster of a man could realize he's there and kill him. Was he even still there? Sat for maybe 15 minutes or so. I could hear footsteps outside of the bathroom, but they weren't necessarily inside of it. I eventually heard the footsteps getting louder. I could also directly recognize where they were coming from. The bathroom hallway. Not even caring to check the ladies' room, Maury slowly opened the door to the bathroom that I was in. I just knew he was standing right there, soon to realize that I was in one of the stalls. I slouched down on the toilet seat, still crying a little, and tried not to make that much noise. Maury slowly wandered through the bathroom. I could hear him supposedly walking towards a sink, and then turn back around. After a minute or so, I heard him in front of one of the stalls, the one closest to the two urinals. He was fiddling with the door, seeing if he was able to open it. He could open that one, considering the fact that it wasn't actually locked. He stood there for about a minute, just staring. 
He turned to his right, going farther down now. He checked the next one. And then he went down again. One stall away from me. I panicked. <sighs> I, I reassured myself the door was locked, but considering what I saw this night, I still was worried. He looked at that one, gave it a good stare, and walked down again. I tried to open mine, but it was obviously locked. And he froze. I was still crying, trying to hide the noise that I made. And as I panicked, I stood up slowly on the toilet seat. Made a little bit of a clattering noise. One that was a little noisy, but not severely noisy. I did it to prepare for this thing breaking in. However, he was still silent. I sat for about two minutes. Until I heard something pop up. I didn't know what it was until I heard him scratching at the door's hinges. He has claws. I couldn't take it. Slowly, I got down and ready to go to the other stall. I got on my hands and knees and crawled myself over to the other side. The door of the next stall hung wide open from when Mori had opened it. I cautiously got up. I was shaking, just uncontrollably shaking. I slowly walked through the doorway and looked to my right. Mori had already picked off the hinges. He was standing right there. He was picking the second hinge until he looked to his left. And Mori was looking right at me. He froze. I was puzzled. I mean, wouldn't he try to get me? I slowly turned around and tried to walk out. It was no use. He lunged out and pushed me towards the right corner, closest to the entrance or exit of the restroom. I stumbled, unable to catch myself, and hit my head and back against the wall. It hurt a lot. It caused me to scream. I wanted to get up, but he would catch me. He could if I stayed here, too. I had no hope. I'm not going to survive. I'm going to die. Maury's eyes glowed a burning red. He walked over to me with his sharp claws at his sides, and I could feel it. It was real. I could feel that burning, hot breath. I could feel the fear of not being able to move. I felt the fear of being trapped here. Nowhere else to go. However, it was real. Mori bent down and grabbed me up. He drove his claws right into my left leg, and I screamed in pain as blood gushed out from the three holes that were in it. I tried shoving my arms at him, kicking him, 
It was no use. I was dead. There was no hope for me. But, but that changed, however, when I heard footsteps. Hold on! shouted Raymond, a chair in his hands. Maury had dropped me. I fell to the floor, my head getting hit once again. However, I couldn't do much. It felt like I got knocked out, but could still see, hear, and comprehend everything around me. I overheard Raymond hitting Maury with a chair, over and over and over and over again, as I lied there on the floor, in terrible pain. The camera was over by the stall, at the perfect angle to show everything that was going on. Maury was making a loud roaring noise. I heard more banging as gears and metals were being obliterated. And after a few more hits, satisfaction came to me as Maury hit the floor. It was very, very loud. I mean, anyone with sensitive hearing could have gone deaf from it. Raymond threw the chair towards the last stall down, ran over to me, and started dragging me. My, my head hurts. I whined, barely conscious. It's, it's okay, said Raymond. We're getting out of here. He dragged me out to the main area, near the arcade. Shit, he said. We looked over, only to see Fraser guarding the door. He then ran towards us. Raymond quickly grabbed another chair and threw it at him. Fraser was down instantly. Somehow the animatronic had gathered up several random tables and chairs and built a wall out of them. It was in a pattern that would be hard to undo. Fuck it, said Raymond. Fuck it! He grabbed one last chair and threw it at a window with all his might breaking up. He then picked me up and slowly started climbing out, and I passed out as I heard sirens outside. That was all I remember. Hey, everyone. It's been a little while. Um, I'd broken my skull. However, it did get fixed up. The cops have taken the camera. I didn't know where the footage was. Raymond told me Stephen's funeral was... a sad one. I had to miss it because of my broken skull, and when I eventually got out of the hospital, I told our fans everything. They ended up telling me a week later that the footage got leaked on the internet, got taken down, but then it was reposted by maybe a handful of people. About ten. Nine out of the ten or more reflect, obviously. Luckily, that man was caught. still did YouTube with Raymond. 
we ran a reaction channel where we would react to things like tests, illusions, things like that. Mori's uh, got closed. I bet that one kid who tattled on us for staying overnight feels... fucking shit now. Eventually, I, uh, quit YouTube. Oh. I quit YouTube, and, uh, I got married. I had some kids. And I remembered Stephen. I wanted to open something in memory of him. Uh, his, uh, his uncle told him about some place called... Fredbear's. He liked rock and, and heavy metal. I stood at the top of the tower. I could see my son, daughter, and wife waving to me. Raymond also stood at the front of the large crowd, wearing a black jacket and dark blue jeans. The red ribbon was waiting to get cut. I grabbed my microphone and tapped it as a test to see if it was working. And, uh, I spoke. Hello, everyone. Uh, I'm glad you could all come here today. Uh, today is the day where we open Dust Bones. Who's excited? People in the crowd cheered. Now, uh, 30 or so years ago, I lost a good friend of mine. You all probably heard that story of us. We did that stupid little 24-hour challenge. Uh, yeah, the one that put a crack in my skull and... and got Stephen killed. <laughs> so his uncle told him about this place called uh, Fredbear's. He told me that he thought it was pretty cool since they were uh, springlock animatronics. People could get inside them, and they could still run like normal animatronics. Honestly, pretty surprising for that time. Uh, also, he liked rock, heavy metal, you know, all that, all that stuff. I talked a little bit more, said some more things about Stephen, mentioned Raymond, uh, talked about the building's features, and got ready to conclude. Uh, so, uh, thank you all for coming here today. Uh, thank you to my family. Raymond, and everyone who helped make this possible. Now, who wants to get in there? Again, another cheer. Okay. Steven, this is in remembrance of you. I cut the red ribbon and ran to the side as the crowd ran in. Raymond stayed, as I offered to show him around. I walked over to him. You saved my life that night, he said. You saved mine, I replied. He smiled. You did good, Nick. You did good. 